you would, while you're being seated, take your Bible and uh, turn to uh, John chapter 13. We're going to look at two verses, verses 34 and 35. John chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35. And uh, as, we're, as you're pulling that up, you can either put, uh, look it up in your Bible, or if you've got the church app, you can press the uh, Bible there, and it will open up for you. And uh, praise team, you did a great job this morning. We had a few folks filling in for different things, and I uh, appreciate all of those, including Kenneth filling in for Michael as he's on a 10-year anniversary trip with Bree. And uh, not that they're going to be gone for 10 years, but uh, it's their 10th year anniversary. I didn't word that exactly right. It could have been mistaken miscommunication. I've had a series of miscommunications recently. But uh, as we've been on this series of back to basics, basic training for Christians, and we've been looking at kind of a, a military standpoint about things that are basics for Christianity in our own personal life. And this morning I want to use a Latin phrase that was actually a kind of a a rule in the early Christianity about how that they would live out their faith or what their basics were. It's kind of like in military combat, there are rules or of combat, there are rules of engagement, and it's something that is taught to the soldiers so that they all are functioning as one. They all have the same understanding and they all have the same mindset. And so they all are supposed to react the same way when it comes to engaging with the enemy and being in combat with the enemy. They are all supposed to know exactly what they're going to do and how they're going to conduct themselves so that they function as one team. And that's kind of the way it was in early Christianity there was this uh, Latin phrase, regula fide. And the word regula fide in the Latin meant rule of faith. And so in early Christianity, as there were different people believing different things, and they wanted to make sure they identified the core root of those who were truly Christians, who were followers of Christ, they began to identify this regula fide or this rule of faith. Now, over a period of time and different groups of Christian organizations, it varied a little bit about what they had included in this rule of faith, but it was the foundational things of what they as Christians believed. And in the scriptures that we're looking at today, Jesus said that he gave a new commandment or a new rule. And you might could say that this new commandment or this new rule that Jesus was given was this regular fide. It was the rule of faith because Jesus made this statement. I want you to look at it with me this morning in John chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35. Here's what Jesus said basically would be their regular fide or the rule of faith that they would go by that would identify them. He said this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. He said, all right, a new commandment I give you. That you love one another. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Jesus said, I want you to love one another. But then he goes on to not just leave it there, but he says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So Jesus just took, I want you to love one another to an extreme height and level. You might call it, he took it to the level of Mount Everest. And that is, I don't want you to just love each other. I want you to love each other as I have loved you. So he basically gave them a standard to go by, and it wasn't just 
what a lot of minds would consider just a regular standard of love. He said, I want you to elevate your love for one another beyond the norm, beyond what most people in the world see as love. I want you to love each other just like I loved on you. And so he took the levels of the standard of love to a greater level. And then if that wasn't enough, he went on and put a big emphasis on it. He said in verse 35, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have this love for one another. So basically Jesus said, this is the regular day. I'm giving you the new rule of faith for your life, and that is just love one another, but make sure the standard that you demonstrate in your love is love like I loved you. And when you get your love to that level, not what most everybody else sees love as, not just regular old love, because love can be confusing in a lot of people's minds of what real love is. He said, when you get it to the love that I have loved you, then everybody's going to see the difference And they're going to know that you're my disciples. Now, he didn't say if you join the church, which we know joining the church is a good thing. It's being part of the family. But he didn't say that's what's going to identify you. And some people think that, that if I'm a member of a church organization, a church group, then people will know that I'm a follower of Christ, that I'm a disciple. Now, they're going to think that, that you should be, but... That's not really what's going to identify it because sometimes people look at people who are part of a church and they're not seeing what they feel like should be this identity of a follower of Christ. And it really gets back to what they have seen or heard in the scriptures about how that Jesus loved others. Matter of fact, there were a group of people that I was around years ago and they were talking about church and being uh, church members and being Christians. And I'll never forget this one guy said, uh, said, yeah, I'm a church member, I'm a Christian. And this other guy said, you're a Christian? If you're a Christian, I'm a Christian too. And he wasn't a Christian. It was so funny because he just jumped on it with so much enthusiasm like, whoopee, I'll just tell everybody I'm a Christian if you're a Christian. Basically, in his expression, he was kind of making a mockery. And that is, if the way I see you live your life is Christianity, I'm just as good as you are. And so Jesus said, people have got to see that you express love the way that he expressed love. And by this is how everyone will know that you are a Christian, that you're a follower of Christ. Not that you joined a particular member of church, not that you gave a certain amount of money, not that you served in a particular way but that's just the fact that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, with that statement that Jesus made, I think we got to kind of look at that a little bit deeper to understand how we are supposed to love each other. How did Jesus demonstrate love that we see in the Bible? And over the years, I've tried to look at that and I've tried to dig deep. And then when I, God put this on my heart about back to basics, he gave me such a simple outline But when I looked at it, I thought, you know, I've never really looked at it from that perspective. And it's so simple, yet it gets right to the very core of what Jesus was saying. How did Jesus demonstrate love? The first thing that I see in these scriptures is that Jesus communicated his love by his words. When Jesus said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you, and I looked at how Jesus demonstrated love to those disciples, those are followers of his, and then I saw very quickly he communicated his love by his words. Matter of fact, in John 15, 9, Jesus told his disciples that he wanted them to, that he loved them 
as a father, God the Father, had loved him. So basically Jesus was saying, just as God the Father loves me, I want you to know that I love you. So Jesus actually communicated with words, spoke it out to make it very clear to those disciples that he loved them. And when he said, I love you, he didn't just leave it so that they could interpret what kind of love it was. He said, I want you to know I love you just like the Father. God the Father loves me. Now that really struck a chord with me when I began to look at that because I began to look and when Jesus began his ministry, you remember he was baptized and the Bible tells us that there was a voice from heaven that spoke in the form of the Holy Spirit and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So when Jesus said, as the Father loves me, so I love you, I look at that and when Jesus began his ministry, God the Father was up in heaven celebrating who his son was and saying, I love my son and I am just tickled to death with what he is doing with his life. And I looked on and the Bible tells us that Jesus even spoke and said, I have come to do my Father's will. And when Jesus said that, he was saying, I have no greater joy, no greater purpose in my life than to please my Heavenly Father and to do what His will is for my life, what He has planned out for my life. So that's taken me even deeper about how Jesus is expressing this love between the Father and Him and His love for them. But then in Jesus, in another scripture in John, He said, me and the Father are one. And He said, I want you to be one with me. And the expression that Jesus was was that intimacy of being one together. Matter of fact, that intimacy that Jesus was expressing about God the Father loving him and him loving those disciples and them all being as one represents the church, the body of Christ. And basically Jesus was saying, I love the Father and the Father loves me and I love you and I want you to love me. Matter of fact, Jesus asked Peter one time, said, do you love me? Because he wanted to make sure this this one type of love, this agape love that is sacrificial, that it's a commitment type love, he wanted to make sure it was going to stay on after he left. And so he asked Peter, he said, do you love me? And when Jesus asked him, he said, do you love love me with an agape love, which is the greatest type of love in the Greek language? And Peter said, you know, I phileo love you. I love you as a brother, as a friend. And they had this conversation three times, and basically Jesus was trying to get Peter to come across that he had got it, that he understood what he was talking about, about how God the Father loved him, and he loved them, and he wanted them to love them back. And Jesus went on to say that that how much that he loves you and I today because he says that he loves this church, his bride, the body of Christ. He talks about how that the bride of Christ would come, he would come back to get his bride adorned in all of her beauty. So Jesus was basically saying, I love you to the disciples and to those of us who would follow behind them. He said, I want you to know that I love you and you are beautiful in my eyes. And I can't wait for us to be united together in heaven as one. And so Jesus made it perfectly clear. Matter of fact, the more that I dug in these scriptures, I began to think, man, I didn't really realize how much that Jesus, with his words, communicated how much that he loved those disciples and how much that he loves you and I. And he wants us to carry on that same love by loving one another. It's kind of like this contagious love that, you know, I married my wife Joyce because I love her and I want people who love me to love her. That's the way Jesus wants it to be. 
People who love him, he wants you to love the church. I've heard people say before, you know, I love Jesus, but the church is a whole different story. Well, if somebody told me, said, Brett, I love you, but I don't care for your wife, I'd say, whoa, time out. You can't love me without loving my wife because we are one. This morning after the uh, breakfast, and I think people should be excited about each other and the church and love each other like Jesus said. And this morning after our uh, brotherhood breakfast, uh, my little grandson, Luke, there were some things going on that I needed to come over to the sanctuary for a little bit. And we were over there towards the nursery. And I told Luke and, the, and Noah, I said, hey, y'all come with me. Let's go over to the sanctuary. And Luke immediately popped up and said, the sanctuary? I love the sanctuary. And he took off running. I thought, wow. And then as he was running, I heard he said the words, because Jackson's in the sanctuary and he'll let me use his Nintendo. <laughs> I was like, he loves this. He loves Jackson. <laughs> Sometimes in our communication of love, we don't quite get it across like it should be. I was almost excited about Luke. I thought, man, he is tuned in with my sermon this morning. But then he kind of broke that with Jackson in the Nintendo. Jesus communicated his words of love. Here's a question we got to ask ourselves. If Jesus said that he loved those disciples and he loves his church, and he said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you, here's the simple question we got to ask ourselves today, and that is, how long has it been since I told a brother or sister in Christ in some way that they would know I love them? How long has it been since you just told a brother or sister in Christ Hey, I want you to know I love you. Now, if I say it to a guy, I always say, I love you, brother. Because I don't want nobody to get confused about me. But I tell brothers in Christ I love them. I tell sisters in Christ that I love them. And I want it to be said in a way that is expressive and real. You know, sometimes my grandkids will get in trouble and we'll say, all right, you need to apologize to them. They say, sorry. And we'll say, no, 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 that don't get it. you got to say, I'm sorry for what I did. And so we get them to express that. And usually it kind of goes through a stage of time or two that finally they'll hug each other and then they start giggling and laughing. They finally have got it. We need to be expressing love to our brothers and sisters in Christ so that they get it. They understand that we're real and we're genuine about what we're talking about. And maybe it's not that you feel the most comfortable just starting out telling somebody that you love them, but saying some words of encouragement. The Bible tells us in Philippians that we are to encourage one another. And so when we're saying words of encouragement about how good that somebody has done something or how much you appreciate them, or you, you just, when you say those words of encouragement, you're saying, I see what you do. I care about you. I recognize you. In my eyes, you are someone special. And then you know what? That's what love really says. You are someone special to me. And that's what Jesus communicated by the words that he spoke. So here's a question I think we have to ask ourselves this morning. If we're to love one another as Jesus loved us, we need to ask ourselves a question. How long has it been since I told a brother or sister in Christ that I love them or at least gave them some words of encouragement so they know that they are somebody special to me? Jesus not only communicated his love by his words, but he also expressed his love by his actions. And you know, that has been said years ago that, that our actions speak louder than our words. And I believe that's true. 
Our actions speak a lot louder than our words. And so I began to look at the scriptures and look at what Jesus did by his actions. And in the scriptures, I saw Jesus heal the sick. And so he was telling people by his actions, I see that you are suffering. I see that you're struggling. And I want to touch your life in some way. And he healed the sick. He was letting them know by his actions that I'm not just going to see you and just let you pass by my life and leave the same way. Listen, Jesus never let anybody leave the same way that they came. He always gave them an opportunity to step it up and to become something better. And so when the sick came to him, he would heal the sick. There were those that were hungry and Jesus wouldn't leave them hungry. He would feed them. You remember the story about the scriptures about Jesus feeding the 5,000 men plus women and children. And the disciples said, uh, we need to just let them go and go find some food. And Jesus said, no. How much food do you have with you? I'm not sending them off. I'm not leaving them or letting them leave here hungry. I always leave them. He didn't say these words, but this is his actions. He always left them better than when they came. And so Jesus took five loaves of bread, two fishes. Matter of fact, last night at our... Uh, uh, bedtime story with the grandkids. I was telling about the five loaves and two fishes, and we were talking about it. And man, Noah, he just, he, man, him and Gia just grabbed hold of that, and they just started spitting out everything. They know. It's 5,000 men plus women and children, and five loaves of bread, two fishes. They just kicked it. And I said, yeah, I know, I know that you know this story, and I started trying to get the meaning to it. And all of a sudden, Luke, that I told you was excited about the sanctuary this morning, <laughs> all of a sudden, in the midst of all that, when I was trying to get to the meat of what was Jesus trying to get across, Luke said, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Sometimes, somewhere he wasn't getting it this day, last night and this morning. But Jesus showed by his actions. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He blessed those who were discouraged. He showed by the way that he acted and did toward the other people. Matter of fact, Jesus showed by one of the most humbling acts, I think it was, how much that he loved those disciples. When he was there in the upper room and he had all the disciples with their shoes off, and he knelt down and he washed their feet. He basically said, I'm going to get as low as I can go to let you know I love you and to touch your life. And you know, when I look at that and look at all that Jesus did and all the actions that he showed them, he was basically by his actions saying, I want you to know before I leave this earth that I love you. Do the people around you in your church body, our church family, do they know that you love them? Are you showing it by your actions that you love them, by the things that you do for them? When you see a brother or sister that maybe, you know, sometimes it can be, matter of fact, this morning uh, they were having some issues with the uh, computer and Michael was on vacation, of course, and, and so they hollered at me and asked me if I knew a code to put in there and we did that, and then there were some other issues, and so uh, somebody said, if Jansen was here, maybe he could uh, take care of it. He's had a few issues that he's took care of, and so we called Jansen. He's at work, and he says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to see if I can sneak off from work a little bit, come over there, and get it all situated. And then a little bit, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. I was over in the fellowship hall. Somebody tapped me on the shoulder. He said, it's all good. Got it all taken care of. And I... I didn't do it, but I should have just grabbed him and hugged him and said, I love you by what you did for us this morning. You pulled it out for us. 
Sometimes when someone does some type of action that comes to your rescue, man, it just logs into your memory, doesn't it? You know, they came to your point of need. Matter of fact, probably most everybody in here, if you thought for just a moment, you would think of somebody, whether it's inside the church or outside the church, that you had a need in your life and they took action to help you. It just stays there with you. you don't, it doesn't leave you. You don't forget it. I can imagine when we get to heaven, we could ask all of those 12 apostles or that about when Jesus, well, actually it was 11. That, well, no, Jesus was there too, 12. And Jesus, when he washed their feet, and I bet you we could say, was there anything Jesus did special before he left this earth? I bet you every one of them, just my personal opinion, could tell us, you know, man, he washed our feet. Before he went to die on the cross, he washed our feet. I can't help but believe that they would remember that, that action that he took. And you know, when you do something <clears throat> that sees somebody suffering or struggling, and a lot of times it may be on a Sunday morning and somebody's missing or a Wednesday night and somebody's missing and you see that someone's frantic and you say, hey, can I help you? I guarantee you they'll say, yes, you can. When you take some type of action to take a load off somebody or help me to need or just say, is there anything that I can do for you? Your action is saying, I love you. We need to express to our brothers and sisters in Christ that we love them by our actions. The last thing that I saw in these scriptures was that Jesus sealed his love by his sacrifice at the end. The Bible tells us in John 13, 1, and this is the reason that I believe that that's kind of this, really the seal of Jesus' love. It says that Jesus loved them to the end, which means that in the midst of everything that Jesus experienced with those disciples, with Peter denying him, with Peter not telling Jesus back, I agape love you, with the disciples questioning things and all the different things that he encountered, with Jesus being beaten by the Jews and nailed to a cross, and all that, the Bible says he loved them to the end. Basically, when I look at the love of Jesus, his love was sealed for those disciples, and it's sealed for you and I. Matter of fact, you know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that there is absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. So whether we look at those 12 apostles or whether we look at you and I today, basically the Bible's telling us Jesus is going to love you to the end. No matter how you act, no matter what you do, he's just going to keep on loving you. His love is never ending. When Jesus was nailed on the cross and they were mocking him and making fun of him, and he's saying this statement, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. They don't realize what they're actually part of right now. And Jesus said, forgive them. Even at the very end of his physical life on this earth when he was being nailed to the cross, he was still showing love. He loved them to the end. We have a tendency within our human minds, we love people to, till they cross the line with us. They offend us. They hurt our feelings. They don't come to our need when we're in time of need and we stop loving them. But Jesus said, that's not the love that I have for you. It's a love to the end. Now, probably most everybody in here is not going to be put to the test of whether you love me or love anybody else enough that you would die for us. But we can learn that it should take a whole lot to interrupt your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Because Jesus said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And the Bible says he loved us to the end. He'll love us till the end of this earth. He'll love us for all of eternity. As a matter of fact, you know what? Satan is all the time testing our love for one another, isn't he? Create a little friction. Cause something to be misunderstood or mistaken. And then things start to go bad. But if we love each other like Jesus did, we got to understand a couple of principles about loving each other to the end. And that is, one is that when we're having an issue with somebody, it's probably not them, but it's Satan working through them that's created this issue. And the whole purpose that Satan does that is he wants to damage the body of Christ, which is the bride of Christ, so it doesn't look as beautiful. I remember when uh, my daughter Christy got married, and I was doing the wedding, and she told me, she said, <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, I, I didn't know she was all into this makeup, but when we were building a house uh, that we live in now, Christy told me, said, Dad, there's only one thing I want. I don't want lots of lights in the bathroom for putting my makeup on. I was like, I didn't know you was really into all that makeup. And then when I was going to be doing her wedding, she said, Dad, I just want to ask you one thing. So don't you start crying because I don't want you to mess up my makeup. And you know what? That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to just create a problem so we get our makeup running. It's really not a big issue most of the time. It's just something to uglify the body of Christ. Jesus showed his love. You know, we're to love one another. That's what Jesus said. And I want you to love each other as I have loved you. I want you to communicate that love with your words. Show, tell somebody, encourage somebody, express it to them. A brother or sister in Christ, express it to your spouse, express it to your children, express it to your parents. Communicate love in words. Communicate it or express it in actions. Jesus not only spoke it, but he put it into action. Show somebody by your actions that you love them. And then just love them to the end. Because you know what? If we're going to take on the standard of Jesus, that means we got to take on the nature of Jesus. And somebody needs the Lord, and somebody needs your love as well. But you're going to have to surrender your life to say, Lord, I'm going to live by your standard. I'm going to live by your conduct. I'm going to live the way that you do so I can love others the way you love me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you. God, I thank you for these precious words in the scriptures that tells us that you said that there was a new rule, a new command. I'd call it the regular fide, rule of faith. And the rule of faith is that we're to love one another as you have loved us. And if we do that, that's how everybody else is going to know that we are the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're your followers. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see what the standard is in the Scriptures. And, Lord, that we would take on your nature, your, your character, your conduct, and truly love each other. And, Lord, I know that Satan loves to get into the body of Christ. And just like Christy said, I don't want you to mess up my makeup, Dad. Satan wants to come into the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and kind of stir some stuff up to get our makeup running. To get us looking a little ugly. So we're not as beautiful. And Lord, any time that we allow Satan to get into our lives or in the life of the church, it's, it does create an ugliness that doesn't need to be there. 
And Lord, I'm just so thankful that we have so many people that visit our church and just make the statement, your church shares so much love. They seem to be so loving, and that is such a testimony. Because when I hear that, I'm thinking, Lord, that's what you said. That people will know that we're your disciples by our love for one another and the love that we express to them when we welcome them in. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just challenge us to think about regular fide, the rule of faith. Am I loving others the way that Jesus loved those disciples and loves me? Am I doing it by communicating love by my words and just telling somebody I love them, that I'm proud of them, that I'm encouraging them, I see what they're doing? Am I expressing love by my actions to step in there to help, to take a little bit of a load off, to meet a need? Do I really have a love that is sealed to the end? Because Lord, when it says in the scripture you loved them to the end, man, that is so powerful. Nothing, nothing. It just confirms Romans 8. Nothing was going to separate your love for those disciples and your love for us as the followers of Christ. So God, just help us to just take on that love. Surrender our lives totally to you. Take on your nature and your character and your conduct. And Lord, just love one another. And Lord, I believe that the Bible tells us that in many different things that we can't rule in the house of God. We can't oversee the house of God unless we got our own house in order. And it's a great reminder to us that if we're going to really demonstrate love in the, in the house of God, in the body of Christ, we better make sure we're doing it in our own house. That we're communicating love by our words to our spouse, to our children, to our parents. That we're expressing love by our actions, by doing something and helping take the load off of our spouse and our children and our parents. And that we're committed. We've sealed our love to the end. Then nothing's going to separate our love. Lord, may we have that type of love. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.